0: Welcome. This week's guest is an award-winning author, speaker and trainer. After 22 years as a trial lawyer, he became a peacemaker and a mediator. Today, he helps people solve deep and irretractable conflicts and teaches others to do what he does, teaching decision-making under uncertainty, conflict. He is the co-founder of the award-winning Prison of Peace Project, in which he teaches murderers in maximum security prisons to be peacemakers and mediators. He has trained mediators and leaders in Europe, the Middle East and Asia in his innovative peacemaking and mediation processes. He has personally mediated over 1,500 disputes, including sexual abuse cases in the Catholic Church and criminal victim offender cases. His honors include Californian Lawyer Magazine Attorney of the Year, a Purpose Prize Fellow, and Best Lawyers of American Lawyer of the Year god i hope i've got that right doug and if all that wasn't enough he has written four books his latest released on september the 12th 2017 entitled de-escalate how to calm an angry person in 90 seconds or less Um, his other books are exclusive peace how modern diplomatic strategies could better resolve the world's conflicts peacemaking Practicing at the Intersection of Law and Human Conflict, Sex, Politics, and Religion at the Office, The Competitive Advantage. He is the creator of an online video course in Legal Negotiations and Emotional De-Escalation and has conducted dozens of webinars. His video offerings are on YouTube and have garnered over 87,000 views. Wow, I think I'm out of breath with that introduction. Doug Knoll, welcome, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Claire. You know, I always enjoy talking with you. I find you to be a really engaging, wonderful woman, and so this oh, will be. Oh, blimey! Fun. God, I've got a lot to live up to now. Don't put that
0: pressure <laughs> on me. So, Doug, I've I've like <laughs> I've like introduced you to all of the listeners, okay? But and there's so much you've done, but um. Do you want to tell us a little bit about you, Doug Knoll, right? And um, how you've got here to being a bit, going from a lawyer to being a peacemaker, which, you know, sort of is the same job, but maybe isn't. So tell us about yourself.
1: Okay. So I live in California. I live in uh, rural California. Actually, I live about 60 miles south of Yosemite National Park and about 40 miles west of Kings Canyon Sequoia National Park. So I've got 10 acres. I live here with my wife and my eight-month-old border collie puppy, Aww. and it's just our little piece of heaven. <laughs> uh, so I'm a native California. I grew up in Southern California, and I was born with a lot of disabilities. I was born partially almost blind, crippled, um, partially deaf, bad teeth, left-handed. Wow. It <laughs> was a mess. And over the years, all of this stuff got straightened out, but not without a lot of emotional pain and physical pain. Mm. But eventually, I I overcame most of it. In fact, almost all of it. And uh, ended up going to Dartmouth College, which is an Ivy League college here in the United States, back in New Hampshire, about as far away from California as you can get and still be on the continent. And graduated from there with a degree in English literature. And in those days, if you didn't go to med school, you went to law school. So I came back to California. Yeah. I came back to California and went to law school, did well academically, and decided to move to Central California because I didn't want to live on the coast or in the cities or anything like that. I love the mountains. mountains. So I worked for a judge for a year and then went into private practice and became a trial lawyer for the next 22 years.
0: Were you the defense or the prosecution?
1: No, I actually, neither. I was a civil trial lawyer. Oh. So I did very complex, large dollar commercial and business cases, usually involving millions of dollars.
0: I was going to say, that's where the money is, isn't it?
1: Well, it is. And it's also where the stress is. Yeah, fair enough. There's <laughs> a lot at stake.
0: <laughs> Sorry, carry so
1: on. It, it, in, in the mid-1980s, I took up the martial arts. And in, by the time I was 40, I had earned my second degree black belt in a northern Chinese kung fu style. And my teacher called me in and fired me. You're, you're an asshole, you're arrogant, wow. <laughs> you too full of yourself, you go learn a Tai Chi. You're not going to, I'm not gonna teach you anything else until you master Tai Chi.
0: Wow, excellent.
1: Well, that was a death sentence because you never mastered Tai Chi. Yeah. Tai Chi, I studied Tai Chi as a martial art, not as a contemplative practice. And Tai Chi has two really interesting paradoxes. The first is the softer you are, the stronger you are. And the second paradox is, the more vulnerable you are, the more powerful you are. Soft to be strong, vulnerable to be powerful. Did not compute. No, <laughs> you know? no. So, but I kept practicing and some years later, I was in the courtroom cross-examining somebody and in a trial and I thought, what the heck am I doing in here? And after that trip, uh, I had a vacation planned and on that vacation, I thought, long or hard about how many people I'd really served as a trial lawyer and concluded that over 22 years, I'd only really helped five people. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't wanna do this anymore. If I'm gonna go another 30 years and maybe serve 10 or 15 more people out of hundreds and hundreds of lawsuits where it's just about the money, not nah, that's not my game. But I didn't know what I was going to do. So I came back from that trip and was driving down out of the mountains to my office. And I heard, the one and only public service announcement on our local public radio station for a new master's degree in peacemaking and conflict studies being offered at Fresno Pacific University well to make a long story short I enrolled and it completely changed my life and the, the my teachers were brilliant professors and just completely opened my eyes to things that I had never considered before and Ultimately, um, I had many discussions with my partners about a new kind of practice, a peacemaking practice and a problem-solving practice, and I didn't want to try cases anymore, even though I was very, very good at it. They were not happy with that because I was the second largest earner in the law firm. And so a lot of people saw their bank accounts being hit by me deciding to do something different. And ultimately, I was given an ultimatum, which they thought I would walk away from, and I said, nope, I quit. And they couldn't believe it. I gave one me- one week's notice, walked away from $10 million, and on no- November 1st, 2000, opened right after my 50th birthday, I opened my own peacemaking and mediation practice and became a professional peacemaker and mediator. And that's how it started.
0: Wow. And wh- okay. The decision I ever made. Uh, wow. Well, mm-hmm. And this is the thing, I suppose, yeah, you get to like, and I have to say, right, I'm looking at you, right? How long have you been doing peacemaking?
1: Uh, 22 years, there full go. time, 22. So
0: you started it at when you were 50. So that means what, you're 72 right. now?
1: I'm 70. Uh, well, actually, no, I, I'll be 72 in October. I'm 71. And
0: now. people on this podcast cannot see you, but I can see you. And oh my God, you've either been hitting the Botox hard. Your lighting is good in your <laughs> studio or you, peacemaking is definitely good for your health. That's all I'm going to say. Cause like,
1: well, I take, you, know, I you take look really 50.
0: My- in fact, I look older <laughs> than you do.
1: Yeah, no, I, I really take good care of myself. Yeah. My chronological yeah. age, actually, by, chronologically, I'm 71, maybe 71 and a half. But biologically, I'm I'm in my early, I'm in my late 50s. I've had oh, my DNA days. checked. And, and it's because of a whole bunch of stuff that my wife and I do.
0: Oh, okay. That,
1: where we really, really have stopped, slowed down our aging process.
0: Wow, maybe that should be another podcast. I know, I know we definitely, <laughs> definitely with... Blimmin, having a six-year-old, it definitely has sped up my aging process. There you go. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, Okay, so what is the peacemaking that you do? Because I know, like, my view of a peacemaker is somebody who goes into, uh, well, and we've got, you know, Russia and the Ukraine at the moment at war. So it's somebody who goes into that war situation, which I would find quite a stressful situation, (laughs) go into a war situation and try and actually resolve the conflict that's there, right? And also, as, even if you're mediating um, conflicting families or um, businesses or what, to me, going in and being a peacemaker, you're going into a really quite potentially toxic, hot, uh, fiery, angry situation, which, well, I would find, I would think it'd be rather stressful, wouldn't it? Well...
1: First of all you're right. <laughs> I am called into those theories. Yeah, high emotion, high stakes conflicts. The the what 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 is important what I think it's people don't understand about the work that I do is that I just don't walk into somebody's conflict. I have to be invited in. Oh, okay. And if I'm invited in then I mean I then the magic happens. But so 50, 50, 80% of the job is getting people to come to the table, because most of the time people would rather shoot each other with AK-47s than come talk. By the time they get to the uh, level of conflict where my services are necessary. Uh, and then, But there's a whole process that I use that uh, ha- has proven to be very effective at calming people down and helping them sort through the problems sort through the injustices, and then be able to have hard conversations with each other about how to make things right, and how to move forward to put the conflict behind them. And this is a process that might take a couple of hours, or it might take a couple of weeks or months. It depends on the nature of the problem, who the parties are, what the relationship is with each other, you just don't know. So, but the secret, the, the first step is, everybody has to agree that they want to go through this process because it's it's all voluntary, and if you don't and if you don't want to go through the process, then the process won't work. So they have to commit yeah. to it, and that's the, that's the first big step. because yeah, I
0: suppose it, you've all got to agree to come to the table to be able to have that discussion. Because if you're not and you're exactly. being dragged to the table, well, then that discussion is not going to be constructive and that's not going to work as such. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: No, that's fair enough. So and and so I'm just I'm just looking at all the books you've written. Right. So what you're saying is and what we've discussed previously is that everything that you've learned through all of your years of dealing with conflicts and the sexual abuse cases in the Catholic Church and the conflicts and peacemaking that you've done, like in in um, asia and uh, middle east and stuff like that um all of those all of this process that you use in those situations can basically be um used in a situation regarding co-parenting or regarding um discussing and dealing with
1: your kids basically that's right the human brain is the human brain yeah and no matter where you are on the planet your brain responds to conflict Exactly, as everybody else's brain, and, is that the- and so the processes, the processes that we use in a very complex conflict, are exactly the same processes you you would use with a screaming three-year-old. It doesn't; it it's exactly the same, no difference whatsoever. And the same processes can be used not only to deal with a screaming three-year-old or a deep and intractable conflict, but also to build deeper relationships, because it can be used very constructively and positively to build trust and intimacy in relationships, whether it's a business relationship or a personal intimate relationship. It's it's what I consider the foundational skill of life. Well, I'm in, I'm in, I'm hooked. How do we use this? What <laughs> what, what what is this
0: process? Because I All right, let me talk. Let me, I want to. my keep screaming at me.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll, let me give you a little yeah. background, and I'll explain. How to do it. Yeah, go for it. So. First of all, I discovered this in 2005 in a very difficult mediation. I had been, I was a, when I started when I started my master's degree studies. I think in 97, 98 maybe. Uh, I can't remember. Too long ago, <laughs> memory lapse. Uh, I I came to the realization that stuff was everything started in the brain, and I was reading all of this sociology and psychology and theology and all all very interesting. Mm-hmm. But all of it highly subjective and none of it empirical. And no real science. And I said, this this isn't right. There has to be some science here. So back then, nobody knew what neuroscience was. Functional magnetic resonance imaging had just started. And there were very few studies that. But there were starting to studies that. And I, fortunately, was introduced to John Allman, who was a professor of neuroscience at Caltech uh, in Pasadena, California. And he tutored me a little bit and really helped me get started. So I've been studying neuroscience. And I'd also gone out and taken all these courses in listening, like active listening and nonviolent communication. And all, it was all crap. None of it worked. And none of, none, none of it worked, especially in high, highly intense conflicts right. where people were really, really emotional. Yeah. So I was at a loss for what to do. And, and none of my professors knew what to do. They taught the old stuff that didn't work because they didn't have anything else to teach. So yeah. I was in this mediation And without going into all the gory details, the thought came to me, listen to the emotions. And I had the parties stop and start listening to each other's emotions and reflect those emotions to each other. And it was like somebody flipped a switch. Within five minutes, the temperature in the room came way down. People felt empowered. They were calm. I mean, it was amazing. And it resolved in you know less than three hours wow where before but when it started people were so angry if there'd been knives on the table there would have been blood on the floor so i knew what i'd done but i didn't know why it worked so i started playing with it in other mediations and got the same exact result and then in 2007 neuroscientist matthew lieberman published his first brain scanning study the seminal study on why this worked and the technique is called affect a f f e c t affect labeling and lieberman published a study showing exactly what happens in the brain when you reflect back somebody's emotional experience to them and what happens is that the emotional centers of the brain become inhibited at the same time the ventral lateral prefrontal cortex which is the executive function of the brain Gets activated. So as they as one comes down, the other goes up, and within about ninety seconds, people go from raging crazy to perfectly calm.
0: Okay, and that's a
1: and, it happens, every, and that's, it happens every. Sorry, carry on. It happens every single time without fail because it's the way that human brains are hardwired to operate.
0: And that's effect labeling.
1: That's called affect labeling.
0: Okay. All right. Wow.
1: Now, how do you do affect labeling?
0: Well, yeah. That's my
1: there's next going to be a question. The end, so. <laughs> there's, going to be a, there's going to be a quiz at the end, so take notes.
0: Uh, can we take it back a step, though, for the laymen yeah. who are out there, right, and for what you've just said, um, what you're saying is that what you do by connecting people in with emotions actually then brings the front part of their brain into action.
1: Correct. Instead That's of a good way to other
0: it. parts. What,
1: right. What yeah. would be the other we, part? See brain, th- think of our brain as being a wh- whole bunch of computers. Yeah. Some of which, some of which are very, very old. Some of which are pretty new. And mostly, they don't talk to each other very well. And so we we have a we can't control our emotions with willpower because our emotions are operating on computers in our brain. I'm yeah, no, 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 that's great. Now. It's awesome. Operating operating on computers in our brain that are that are very 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 old
0: well that go back to when we were born
1: and 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 the the, the part of our brain that's the, the consciousness part of our brain is very 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 new and so it's like it's like it's like taking an iphone it's like taking an iphone what are we on now 14 or something oh, iOS, i don't know whatever it is you take them i'm an android oh, baby reason, or, or an Android. I think the Android 21 just came out, and I've got an S9. Oh. So imagine taking an Android 1 an and asking it to talk to a bell ringer telephone from the 1950s.
0: Yeah, and most people on this who will be listening to this won't even know it what that help. is, but yeah. In the
1: old days, if you, you wanted have to pick a handset up. <laughs> you had to pick a hand set up off the, off the table, pick it, put it up to your ear, and there was a rotary dial, and you had to dial numbers with a rotary yeah, I dial. I remember
0: that. I can right. remember that, and there was no Insta or
1: no, Facey none of or
0: anything like that on it. All it did was you picked it up and you made a call on it and spoke to somebody on the other end. Right. You didn't if video anything, or it like kids That's these right. days don't know how good they've got it. <laughs>
1: That's right. So, 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 and if you don't know what we're talking about, go check it out on YouTube. Look at rot- rotary dial telephones. Uh, so imagine your most modern iPhone or Android trying to talk to that old phone. An old analog phone, not digital, not a computer, <laughs> you know. You, it, I was going to say, don't go impossible. there. When you said
0: analog, when you said analog, it brought back memories of sitting there, pressing play on a tape recorder, yeah, having, an, having a piece of
1: software upload to a computer. And it going... right. Remember the little cassette things we had with the old <laughs> yeah. Apple computer, I know.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, exactly. So, you know, there's no pressing... Install and it instantly install in these things took forever. Oh, for so yeah, and then of course yeah. when the
1: internet came on, since we're going down memory lane, remember when two K oh, yeah, was I really know. a high baud rate? We thought, well, that was amazing. Oh, you know, we started God, off with started off with like, you know, like. Nothing, eight hundred baud or something, and you take forever yeah. to get. It was amazing the yeah. internet even got started. Anyway, and like we and a terabyte, which you <laughs> and
0: a terabyte that you have on your phone nowadays, oh. like We've was like com-
1: filled a room. <laughs> We've got more computing power on our telephone than existed oh. in all of the twentieth century. Yeah, I know. In the world. Anyway,
0: we digress everyone. Yeah, we digress. We've just gone so, down but, a rabbit hole. But, anyway, just, just let's metaphor, go back.
1: Just understand that you you got these brain systems that don't communicate with each other. So it's very easy for the emotional centers of the brain which are to overwhelm the thinking centers of the brain. And when that happens, the thinking center of the brain can no longer process the emotions. And so the brain reverts back to reactive programming, which was either which was learned in childhood. And so that's why when you see a 40-year-old acting like a six-year-old, that 40-year-old is because you're a six-year-old, six-year-old at that moment. So what affect labeling does is it kickstarts the prefrontal cortex of this upset person so that it can take back control over the emotional centers of the brain and restore instant calm.
0: Yeah, it's like a step back, isn't it? It's like taking a
1: deep breath it, but it's faster than and, that
0: but it yeah exactly exactly it's faster
1: than that and The whole you know you've heard a lot of people talk about it, take a deep breath take a step back what when people are trying to do that what they're trying to do is again technical they're trying to control what's known as the polyvagal system the parasympathetic part of the parasympathetic nervous system and taking a deep breath or a whole bunch of deep breaths will calm you down in about 30 or 40 minutes
0: yeah but that's not but good, that's not good enough in my work yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> no So this affect labeling, or if you want to put it in the simpler terms, it's reflecting back emotions to the emotional person has proven to be an extremely effective, powerful way to calm any angry person in less than 90 seconds. So here's how you do it. Even kids take take notes. Even kids, kids. It even works even better with kids than it does. It works well with everybody, but kids eat it up for reasons that we can talk about.
0: Okay, right. Get right. Your so when and you're out, everyone,
1: with, <laughs> yeah, confronted. You're confronted with an angry person or a child. Yeah. First thing you're going to do is ignore those angry words. You got a six year old screaming, "Mommy, I hate you!" Yeah, 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 You know, what I mean, they're saying all these nasty yeah. stuff, right? You just ignore it all. Just ignore it. It doesn't mean anything. Just words. And when you, they're just words. They mean nothing. And when you ignore the words, you're less likely to get triggered yourself and you free up bandwidth in your brain for doing the rest of the process. So ignore it. You just have to, it's just white noise. Just ignore Cause, it, Because
0: it doesn't trigger your emotions. So if you listen to it and listen to what they were actually saying, that would then trigger your emotions. And can, then you're it, in a it, conflict situation it, where you've that. got two people who are six, or, you know, and not exactly. actually adults, if you're talking with an
1: adult. Exactly. So ignore the words. Then the second step is to read the emotional data fields of this upset emotional person. Now, read the emotional data fields. What's that like? I know. Well, Hello? Understand that emotions are data, just like numbers on a spreadsheet. Okay. And our brains are hardwired. We have an innate ability to accurately and rapidly understand what another person is experiencing emotionally. This has been developed in us in evolution for millions of years. And if you want the science behind that, I'd be happy to explain more. But the idea is to sit inside just sit there quietly, empty your mind, and within seconds, you'll be start getting emotions coming through. You'll 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 hear the words or you'll feel the emotions coming through. And these are the emotions that this other person is experiencing. So, so you're gonna the third step is to reflect back the emotions with a simple use statement. So I would say, Claire, you are really angry. You're really pissed off. You feel like you're unappreciated. Nobody's supporting you. You feel completely disrespected. And you're worried and concerned and anxious. And you're scared. And you're sad. And you feel betrayed. Nobody loves you. You feel completely abandoned. And it's not right. And the whole thing just really, really has you just ready to blow blow your stack. Okay. <clears throat> and you, and that's all you do. Notice how all I did was reflect back emotions. To reflect back the other person's emotions. Is, yep. So what, you're, back emotions. so
0: what you're observing, what you're like feeling that's right. that they're that's trying right. to convey.
1: You use a you statement. That's right. And you don't use an I statement. You use a you statement. You just tell them directly what, they are, what their emotional experience is. Mm. And that's called affect labeling. And when you do that, the magic happens. And you continue to affect label, whether it's a four-year-old or a 40-year-old, until four things happen. Number one, you get a nod of the head. Number two, you get some sort of verbal response, like exactly. Number three, you get a dropping of the shoulders. And number four, you get a sigh of relief. Wow. These four involuntary relaxation responses. When you see those four responses, or at least a combination of them, you know you've succeeded and you've de-escalated this angry person. And then you can move on to whatever has to happen, whatever problem solving has to mm-hmm. engage, you have to engage in first. Mm-hmm. And it's that simple. Ignore the words, read the emotions, reflect back the emotions with a simple use statement.
0: And I suppose you have to practice this, though, because I suppose
1: you do have because to. Because like, it's this not going to not- come
0: straight away, is it? Because I'm sitting yeah. there going, "Wow!" Yeah. <laughs> like one, you're going to have to practice so- just observing and not reacting, because it's so easy to so react. So let me give you
1: some pra- there are a couple of a couple of practice tips. Okay. For you. First of all, you want to learn that second step, how to read emotions. So what I tell people do is to listen to an advertisement a radio advertisement where there's no visual and see how many emotions you can count in that 20 second spot okay and you'll be amazed you'll you, if you when, once you start paying attention you'll be able to identify very quickly sometimes as many as 20 emotions in 20 seconds wow okay it's amazing and so just pay attention the second thing you can do is when you're watching uh, a show mm-hmm streaming or on television or whatever even on your phone turn off the volume and how many emotions can you pick up without hearing the words in like one or two minutes
0: so basically the facial cues and the positioning of the body and various different things because that's
1: where that's those that's where the information is coming from is coming from our our facial expressions and body language and we have the ability to read this so you can prove it to yourself just by taking doing these two exercises Mm. and do that three or four times and you'll you'll be amazed at how much you're able to pick up. Now to practice the third step, the use statement, I always recommend practicing for at least a couple of weeks in very low risk, safe situations, where if you make a mistake, you're not gonna embarrass yeah. yourself, right? My favorite place is Starbucks. Uh, okay. Or any other coffee shop of your choice. You walk in in the morning, you're gonna order a latte, and you walk up to the barista, you hand, in, hand the barista your card, and you say, you look really happy this morning.
0: What about if they don't look happy?
1: <laughs> then you say, you you look unhappy, or you look you look a little frustrated, oh, okay. or you look a little stressed, whatever it is. But most people at Starbucks, at least in the United States, wow. are happy people. They're hired because they're happy yeah. people. And they like being up early, and they love working do
0: they? Are they nuts? So
1: you can almost always get away with saying you're I happy. I would
0: be shit at Starbucks. <laughs> I and hate then, getting up in the morning.
1: <laughs> Well, okay. So you can do it at a restaurant. Go to do it at a restaurant. Do it when you're at the market and you're at a checkout. Okay. To the clerk, scanning your stuff. Say, just look at them and give them one one emotion, and then put your lab coat on, metaphorically speaking, and observe what how they behave. How do they behave towards you? when you feed give them an emotion wow, okay and that's pretty easy to just do that at the, at the supermarket
0: or and a you- store or market or going to get your coffee okay
1: and you do this for two or three weeks you try to do it three or four times a week and you do it for two or three weeks until you start seeing the pattern of reaction and it'll be the same pattern every time once you start seeing wow this really works then you can go a little deeper into the pool now try it out on a friend and you're talking to your friend and just casually reflect back one emotion that you're having in a conversation rather than you know most conversations are pretty witless so rather than having a witless conversation pay attention to the emotional experience of your friend and reflect back what he or she is experiencing that moment with just one emotion Mm. put your lab coat on and watch what happens now you've got a six-year-old so you're lucky because you can start practicing as soon as the show's oh yeah
0: well i can't because he's not here with me
1: but that's okay um uh, okay but four to four to eight year olds oh okay children you can start practicing with them right away and and you'll get the same amazing result and four four to eight year olds will even
0: at that age even at that age you'll get the same result as you started
1: too okay because here's what's happening clara at the emotional centers of the brain do not start to mature until about 18 months of age and sh- we're not born with emotions we have to create emotions we're born with a thing called affect am um, this to I, I don't want to go deep into this because people's eyes will glaze over <laughs> but basically we have to start creating emotions yeah. and we yeah. do that at 18 months and so when you affect label a child's emotions you're helping them build their emotional database and you're actually helping their emotional centers mature and grow, you're actually you're actually giving them superfood when you reflect their emotions and it's r- really, really good for their brains. In fact, studies show that if you start affect labeling a child between four and six, usually within five years, they're two grade levels ahead of their peers if you if you're consistently affect labeling during those five wow, years. Ah, really? Yeah, it's very powerful.
0: Right. I'm starting tonight. As soon because as it gets topped off.
1: Yeah, their brains their brains just eat it up so if you've got children or grandchildren this is something that you can you can you you and you will see immediate results now i wouldn't do it i wouldn't until you get good at it i wouldn't do it with nine year old nine years old or older until you until you've got some practice out of it or an experience. why are they a bit more savvy are well, they, a bit more, they are, like, oh
0: yeah. you're trying to affect label me mum. so leave something off like is that? That? Now, yeah. now
1: let's talk about that for a second okay you will you might sometimes get that pushback especially if you're not very subtle sometimes with an adult you'll get something like who the heck do you think you are my psychotherapist you know you get that kind of pushback what that indicates is that you you were too good because we all have these walls we built around us and the wall of toughness right we're strong people and we don't feel emotions and emotions are bad or evil but inside the wall is who I really am, which is this weak, low self-esteem, self-loathing person that that you that you hate. And when you affect label somebody, it's like you blow through that wall like a superhero. Wow. And it scares the crap out of the speaker. Because right there, you're seeing them for who they really are. Yeah. And it scares them. And so what are they going to do? Of course, they're going to react quickly. Go away push back
0: Well, they were, they're on the defensive then aren't they they're well, like trying they to, to, to defend their image
1: that well yeah they're scared because you 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 just made you just saw their vulnerability now the secret is so when somebody pushes back and gets a little angry at you or a little pushy don't get upset just say oops i did i was too good back off give it a few minutes and then come back and just very casually and then very subtly label one emotion you're really frustrated and just leave it at that. Don't go any further.
0: Wow, I'm about as subtle as a brick though. So, um, that, yeah, I'm gonna really, I am Nicky really gonna Australian? have to, re- <laughs> well, it is, and I'm English as well, so I'm like buggered. I've been here for 15 years and like, yeah. So I'm about as subtle as a brick, but it's all right. Subtlety can be trained. It's all right. It just means I've got to practice it. So, okay, so we can all practice this well, as a single parent, right? I mean, we can practice this on co-pair, in co parenting because That's we've got right. to deal
1: with, I so mean, most you, of the time. You've got the, the other parent who you're going to be parents for life. You may hate each other's guts. You know, you don't know. You may not have, a, some people have great relationships, some people don't. But the way to de-escalate your, your co-parent is to, instead of getting into a fight, step back ignore the words, read the emotions, and simply reflect back the emotions of what they're experiencing with a you statement. You're really angry, you're frustrated.
0: I'm definitely gonna try this. I normally step back and then basically say, like, and just basically focus on, for me to deescalate myself, I focus on what's the best thing for my son. So I, it doesn't matter about my emotions, it's about, well, what's the best thing for my son? And I don't really care what the other person's actually reacting to. Like it's it's me going, well, you can react as much as you want, but it's about what's the best thing for my son. So if the best thing for my son is X, right. Y, and Z, then I'll set that boundary. Um, because it's all about my son. It's not about me and it's not about my ex-partner, it's about my son and making sure and and right. my son's sisters and making sure that they're okay. Um, so that's how I deal with that. But I don't do the affect labeling where I go, you're feeling angry about this or you're, because.
1: That's right. Um, Now here's another trick to control your own emotions, affect label yourself. Wow. Supposing supposing your ex partner says something at you and and triggers you and you'll say to yourself, boy, he just, I'm pissed. I'm really angry. I'm really frustrated. I don't feel listened to. I don't feel supported. I don't feel appreciated. I feel completely disrespected. And this is making me angry, but I'm also sad. And I feel rejected and I feel abandoned. You notice how, when you say, if you just say that to yourself, I just felt it myself. I just felt a deep relaxation and would come through me. And so that's how you, that's how you manage your own emotions. It's just name silently name what you're experiencing in the yeah. moment.
0: Yeah. Cause you don't have to put it at the end of the day, like you know, well, of our conversations are in our head, with our voices in our head. So you don't have to put it out there in the ether. You can just actually name it all internally. Say it it to yourself,
1: yeah. Yeah. And that affect labeling, self affect labeling works just as well as affect labeling somebody else. Can we teach our
0: kids this?
1: Because I'm just
0: just thinking from a, uh, does this help our children Excuse me. uh, Does this help our children when they potentially might be in a bullying bullying situation at school, or can it sort of help diffuse situations when they're at school? Yes. And how do we? And do we teach them just the same way that you've taught us?
1: Exactly right. Well, it's age appropriate and and vocabulary appropriate. Here's the way to teach them: model it. Don't even sit down and talk with them about this. Just model the behavior. In other words. African label your children and every parent that has ever tried this that's reported to me says that within two or three weeks the kids are affic labeling each other and they're affic labeling mom and dad or mom. They pick it up, they pick it up really really fast. Well
0: they're like little sponges.
1: And then when they get older and you gotta give them, they come home from school and they have an upset or something you affic label them and then the problem solving part of it is what happened, what strategies could you have used mm. that you didn't use and maybe they haven't even thought about epic labeling and then you can lead them through the process we'll think about what, next time try this and see what yeah
0: happens. I mean I must admit as a parent you want to go in there and you want to solve it all for them and go oh well somebody did that to you what you need to do is right.
1: that's the worst thing you can yeah, do
0: exactly it's getting them uh, to solve I, it
1: I, yeah I want to touch I want to touch on on that a little bit so one of the things that one of the things that people tend to do whether they're it's with their children or other people, is they tend to go to problem-solving right away. They're confronted, Somebody has an emotional problem, and they, um, the listener immediately wants to try to solve the problem. That is called emotional invalidation. There are other forms of in- emotional invalidation. So, for example, supposing you've got a little three, four-year-old boy running around outside, and he falls down and skins his knee and starts to cry. What is he usually told?
0: don't be a sissy, come on, have a, in Australia, they say, have a cup of concrete and harden up. Um, I'm trying to think what else right. they say here. Was it like, that was,
1: yeah. Don't be a girly girl, big boys don't cry. Same thing that happens to girls too. So that is called emotional invalidation, It is the most insidious and pervasive form of emotional abuse that exists on the planet. And all the science shows. That that kind of emotional abuse leads to horrible outcomes later in life, and every parent does it because they think yeah. they have to toughen their kids up, and that, that is absolutely false. It's a it's a myth that's not based on any science whatsoever. I, I, yeah. What you and here's here's the problem: you emotionally invalidate your child. You're telling your child that emotions are bad, they're evil, they're weak, they're irrational. Don't pay attention to your emotions. And, and the science tells us that we're 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Wow. I didn't realize those ratios. So we're turning off 98% of who we are at four years old. Is it any wonder when that kid becomes an adult that his relationships are in the tank that you can't make a relationship work because you don't know how to manage your own emotions? Yeah, yeah it's scary, it is scary. It's very scary and, and parents do it all the time and they don't know that they're doing tremendous damage to their children's mm-hmm. brains. Yeah, it's because it was done to them.
0: Yeah, oh, I agree. I mean, look, it was done to me. Um, like you know, well, it was done to me. Yeah, I mean, I was brought up in the seventies, right? The seventies was odd and then we had Maggie's blooming Britain. So you had to sort it out and get out. Yeah, no, and I I can understand that because you were told like emotion, right. like don't, don't cry, feel. don't scream, don't shout, don't be angry, and it, like as a and as a girl, um, there are certain things that you were expected to be like be quiet children are seen and not heard and all of that stuff and blah 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 um and there are there are times and i don't say it to my son but there are times where i go oh buddy you might not have wanted to talk then but i try and stay quiet because i'm like okay you will learn these lessons of like what you have to say and when you and like and i'm not gonna like try and control him because he's his own person and Sometimes what I think is not the right time to say something is actually the right time to say something. It's just that my upbringing has said, Oh, you need to stay quiet there, and actually, right, he's done the right thing. So think, think, think of what it do this I way. know? So, yeah.
1: How can you ever master your emotions if you're not taught how to do it? How can you master your emotions if you mm-hmm. don't grow up with role models mm-hmm. of people who have emotional mastery? You can't. Yeah. And you only you only model, you only master what is modeled to you by your parents. And if yeah. if your parents are emotionally incompetent, then guess what? You're gonna be emotionally incompetent.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah.
1: And that and, and that and the sad truth is that ninety eight percent of all families are emotionally dysfunctional. Yeah. And they just produce emotionally dysfunctional adults and the cycle persists generation after generation. But now we have the science that tells us differently. We have a, some new skills that have just come out in the last fifteen years that that allow us to break that cycle mm. if we're willing to do it.
0: Yeah, and that, um, I mean, and that's one of the reasons I started this podcast was because, you know, single parents is bloody hard, right? Let's just put it right. out there, it's hard, right? Being a parent is hard, but being, you know, in, in general, right? Full stop. Um, and you know, as a single parent, I'm like mum and dad at times, and you know, and you sit there and go, well, I need I need some tools in my toolbox because, right. you know, the 70s is a very long time ago for me and, you know, for everyone. But for me and how I was brought up. And so I can't the things I can't even remember. Like and I know I'm potentially nowadays. Right. Um, and so it's about being the best parent I can be for my son and trying not to mess him up too much.
1: <laughs> with think, everything that goes and, on and it's it, you're right and it's all about mindset yeah instead of thinking that you have to discipline your child think about being an emotional coach mm, mm. how can i be how can i coach my child through his or her emotional moments and train my child how to be emotionally competent and it's tiny little steps 10 times 15 times a day child has an emotion or emotional experience what am i what's my strategy going to be every time they're emotional am i going to shut them down because they make me anxious every time they get upset or am i going to be present with that child and be okay with my own anxiety and coach this little being of mine how to master emotions by labeling? And that's the, cho- that's the That's the simple choice that parents have to make, S- and single parents especially. And when you make that choice, you say, you know, I'm going to be an emotional coach. Every time my child gets emotional, I'm going to reflect back the emotions that are there right now, and I'm going to do it. If I have to do this 15 times or 20 times a day, then that's what I'm going to do.
0: Yeah. And, and also, I mean, some of the things that I use to stop myself from going, oh, my God, just... Rah! some of the things exactly. <laughs> and it is like that at times I okay? go oh, and exactly like where he falls over and he scrapes his knee and you go oh here we go uh, but you know the thing is like I don't want to say oh come on harden up or whatever because he's right. hurt himself right but I might be doing right. half a dozen other things and I don't need to deal with this at the moment that's right and that's the human part of this podcast because I think you know what I want to put out there is like we're all human okay so yes what you're saying is the ideal you know is we need to do this we need to be cognizant we need to be doing this all the time but it is okay not to do it once or twice a day you know do you know what i mean It's
1: here's the thing once you start doing this two things you're going to notice two things one all the upset's going to go away super fast Mm -hmm. much faster than anything else you could possibly do and two you're going to feel really good about it because it's Mm. so self-affirming you're going to get a beautiful reaction from your child that is going to make you feel so loved. And the child is going to be in such deep gratitude that you listened that little being into existence, that you will want to do this. Mm. All you have to do is practice it long enough for two or three weeks so that it becomes a habit. And once that happens, everything changes forever. Yeah. And- so it's not that difficult. And, and, no. and it, you just have to decide this is something I want to do. And then make it happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, that simple. Just do it, as Nike would say in the nineties or whenever it. it was.
1: <laughs> and and you will be amazed at what happens between you and your child.
0: Yeah. Uh, look, Especially
1: um, if you're a stressed out single mother or father.
0: Yeah, and like uh, being in Melbourne, where where I am and most of the listeners are, like we did we did two hundred and sixty days worth of lockdown, right? Stuck in our houses with our kids, right? God, no. Well, I know, but God love them. Um, but I, everyone was up, and admittedly, businesses suffered and various different, you know, um, and people suffered. But I was grateful for that because it, I have a, such a different relationship with my child, mainly because we were thrown into the situation where I did have to affect label a lot of the time because otherwise we wouldn't have got through 260 days worth of lockdown. So, yeah, yeah. And, it, and they are... They are little people who are having these big emotions who don't, like we understand what anger is and we understand they what don't. being frustrated is. They don't. But they don't. They don't, they don't
1: have a clue. They're All they do is have, feel this affect coming through. They, don't even, yeah. they can't even name it yet. It's not even an emotion. It's just an experience. Mm. And what we can help them do is build their database by affect labeling. Oh, you're angry. You're experiencing anger right now. Oh, that's what anger feels like. Yeah, because, yeah, I, exactly. I, I cannot. Oh, it sounds so simple. But it's so powerful.
0: No, I'm definitely going to be trying it when the little monster gets back tonight from his dad's. (laughs) 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 And hopefully he won't be a little monster or he'll be more like a fluffy monster's ink monster, not (laughs) a horrible like I'm tired and grumpy and been fed lots of sugar monster. That's okay. If he's tired
1: and grumpy and been fed a lot of sugar, grumpy, you just say you're tired.
0: You're tired. You're grumpy. No, because he'll go. No, see, he'll go, I'm not tired. I'm not grumpy, Mum. I don't want to go to bed early. You
1: keep so, working yeah. with it. All right, let's just throw a play that. Yeah. He says, I'm not oh, tired. Okay. I'm not grumpy. I don't want to go to bed. Oh, you're, you're really frustrated. And, you're, and, and, you, and, you, and you really, you know, you... Let me think through how I would say this. You're really frustrated. And you don't feel like you're being listened to. And you don't feel appreciated and supported. And you're sad. And you're afraid you're going to miss stuff. If you go to bed, you're going to miss all the fun stuff, and that's really upsetting to you. Yeah, he probably. So you're tired. So you're tired, and you're grumpy, and yet, and you don't want to miss anything. You're afraid of missing good stuff, and you just want to keep going because life is so much fun.
0: He'll probably want a hug. Then he'll go, "Mommy, can I have a hug?" And I go, "All right then." Exactly.
1: And if he says, "Mommy, can I have a hug?" Guess what? What did you just do? Oh, I would definitely, I would give him a hug. Oh, well, well, No, but my oh, point I, is you just de-escalated yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know this was a test. You just calmed him down.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, lo- and that's yeah. exactly what you would do.
0: And a lot of the time and that's gonna- to calm him down, a lot of the time it is give him a hug, connect with him physically because, I don't know, Absolutely. that physical connection seems to calm him it's down as critical. well. And then – That's right. And then I can then talk to his logical brain instead of his right, screamy, right, shouty right. brain.
1: Right, and understand that as the child gets older, physical touch is still important, but especially when they become teenagers, it, it for a while it gets cut off. So you have to have other tools, which is why you develop affect labeling. Mm-hmm. It's already so cut off. Are all tools in your box. It's
0: How already game? yeah. It's already cut oh, off. Yeah. He, he won't hold my hand going into school now. He like looks at me. Of course not. As well it's embarrassing. Yeah, and he's six though. He's six, but I put I my know. hand out for him to hold my hand, and he like looks at me as if well to say, "Don't even go there, mum." So I'm like, "I know." I
1: mean, like, peer pressure is already starting to. I know. Work on him.
0: Second year at school. So, Doug, look, thank you. Um, I'm definitely going to try all of that. Where can people get more information on? wow, well, so i'm assuming your latest book which is Deescalate: how to calm an angry person in 90 seconds has a lot of this technique within it, it and all of those sort it of does. things so let me
1: i, I built a web page oh, okay. just for everybody who's listening right now
0: wow you've done and even more I'm than Melbourne, i've ever done you're the
1: only people in the world that are to get a, get access to this web page and the wow. web page is doug d-o-u-g-n-o-l-l dot co yeah. slash claire dash martin
0: Oh, wow. Okay, thank you.
1: I'm going to, I'll put it, I'll, um, so, so it's dugnoll.co slash claire-martin. Now, if you go to that page, four things. Number one, you can get a free ebook that describes everything that I've been talking about. Two, wow. you can buy my book, De-Escalate. Three, you can get my De-Escalate video course, pretty inexpensive. And four, if you decide that you want to be a super parent and want to really dive in, I'm giving people an $800 discount off my big, basic and advanced emotional competency course, which is where we do the deep dive. Wow. Um, so from free to expensive, you know, <laughs> whatever, you.
0: no, 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 that's season. awesome. Yeah. No, thanks ever so much for that.
1: Yeah, dougnoel.co, um, Claire Dash Martin. And if and, Peter, so,
0: and on there, people um, can find out who you are. I mean, I know we've yeah, touched on that a on lot. lot.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's an entree. It's a it's an entree on my website. And then from there, you can just go, go explore. I got a vast website. And you can just get all kinds of other resources and learn yeah. all about, more, than, more about me than you really want to know. And <laughs> and go from there. And if you want to reach out to me, um, if people want to reach out to me, my email address is Doug, D-O-U-G at dot com. Doug at Doug Wow, so, you might
0: not want to am, give that email address out. You might be inundated.
1: I I don't care. Um, (laughs) The thing is, I'm a sole practitioner. I have no staff. I have no virtual assistants. There's no huge firewall around me. I am my guy. And I answer all of my own emails. So if somebody has a question, I mean, I'll even jump on a Zoom call. If somebody wants to jump on a Zoom call for 15 minutes and talk about an issue they're having, just email me and we'll set it up.
0: Okay, Doug, thanks for that. So that's awesome. So they can go to that website which you've set up for us, which is brilliant. Thank you for that. Um, and they can connect with you in a whole manner, a myriad of different ways. Um, are you on Insta and Facey and all of that stuff as well? Or have you just shot shot those off to the side?
1: Are you talking about social media?
0: Yeah, are you on social media? Uh,
1: I'm on Facebook. I don't waste my time too much on Facebook. I, 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 obviously, I have, and I have a lot of followers on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, yeah. and I'm on all the usual places right oh. now. I'm I've got I'm building out a new YouTube channel called the Power the the Power of Emotional Competency. I'm wow, just starting okay. this new YouTube channel, and so uh, I don't have any <laughs> videos on it. I just started it this week, so yeah. I'll be posting videos probably starting next week, at least a couple of videos a week. Disc- on all kinds of topics around emotions and emotional yeah. competency and ethic labeling and all that stuff so if people so do- it
0: probably be will be out there then but like by the time I've edited this and got this out into the ether like it, it you'll probably be live with the yeah, actual YouTube probably, video it'll, it'll, I will so, yeah. probably already
1: have content up by the time by the time you're listening to this yeah then you can go check out The Power of Emotional Competency on YouTube Doug Knoll The Power of Emotional Competency and that that's one of my YouTube channels and I'm now I've got a bunch of them but this one I'm really developing for this And you'll find a whole bunch of YouTubes where I'm demoing and explaining and, you know, it'll be it's just going to be a resource rich channel for you to learn these skills and a bunch of other skills as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, Doug, I have one final question for you. Um, And apart from your ever eternal youth like i'm like going okay we need to know these secrets i might have to get you back so that us in australia can look like you do um (laughs) because like i'm like i know we've got sun and stuff here but you're in california so that's not our excuse so we can't say we're aging because we're always out in the sun because so are you right um yeah exactly um if you had a superpower, doug apart from your ever eternal non-aging body right uh if you had a superpower what would that superpower be
1: Ooh, good question what is my superpower yeah
0: you have got quite a few because i mean like
1: i do you're a a mediator and
0: all of that stuff so i'm like
1: i have two foundational superpowers oh okay i'm extremely patient and i'm extremely disciplined
0: wow okay wow okay that's awesome they're your superpowers.
1: They're my superpowers. On on patience and discipline is built the edifice of Doug Knoll.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> and, hey, let's, let's face it. I thought I had patience until I had my son. And then I discovered <laughs> that maybe I needed to train myself to have more patience. So I believe now, yeah, okay. s- nearly seven years on, six and a half years on, I have a hell of a lot of patience. But, um, <laughs> yeah, discipline may be not quite. It's getting there, but it's not as disciplined as you. Um, awesome. Right. Awesome. Look, Doug, thank you. It's been really fascinating talking to you. Um, thank you so much for, you know, giving us your time and coming on board and um, telling us all about this. It's really interesting. And I think it'll help a lot of people either deal with and handle their children or deal with and handle their exes and co-parenting situations. So thank you, Doug. Thanks a lot for that.
1: You're welcome, Claire. I really enjoyed this conversation.
0: No, cool, cool. So look, it's wow. Well, you're in California, so it's the evening for you, and it's the morning for me. So I'm going to get on and have a good day. You have a good evening.
1: I'm going to pick up my jazz violin and play some jazz violin oh, for a while. My God,
0: man, after my own heart. <laughs> I can't play violin that well I... now, but anyway, it's all good. Oh, awesome, brilliant. Okay, Doug. Well, um, I hopefully I will get you back on.
1: Absolutely, just. Give me a holler and we'll schedule it out.
0: Cool, brilliant. All right, speak to you later. bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast, or for links, resources and show notes, go to our website www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey and Twitter. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.